everybody, how you doing? This is George. I'm Nick. And this is Jack Wagon Sports Podcast. Welcome yes, to our sir. very first episode. Welcome, welcome. Uh, two brothers just love to have fun and talk sports. Absolutely sure. nobody wanted to hear our opinions, but yet here we are to not give them. a single person. So, we were actually uh, told not to do this, but here we are. <laughs> so we're just going to go ahead and dive right, right in. in and recap this week's NFL games. Uh, we'll start off with Thursday night with the Colts beating the Jets, and actually a surprisingly close game. That was, I, I'm going to be 100% honest with you, uh, the Colts to me this year are one of those teams that I feel like just they're not getting enough credit plain and simple like they're they've been in some games i mean you got carson wentz who you know was practically given away from philly because old town hated him and yet he's actually balling out he's having a very quite good season and i love what i'm seeing from the team i just wish that for their sake you know their their record was looking a little better yeah, absolutely. I mean, sitting at four and five, they're they're definitely still in the race for oh, yes. the AFC South, uh, which is I wouldn't say wide open. I mean, Tennessee is starting to run away with it a little bit. I um, like the, yeah. that's yeah. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, uh, no, but they've I'll been having some really close games. I mean, all of their losses have been, you know, within one or two scores. Um, and you know, even but looking at the Jets though, the Jets have for some reason turned the corner since they benched Jack, Zach Wilson. Um, they won the game previous to this, and then, you know, I think without Mike White getting hurt, I think that game's a lot closer against the Colts. Oh, I agree. Uh, that's, uh, like you said, that team's taken a surprising turn. Um, I mean, I feel bad for him. You know, imagine what you could have done with the second overall pick, but, right. you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, but, no, Jets definitely are one of those teams. I, I think as long as they continue to trend in the right direction, they could definitely get away from being one of the laughing stocks of the NFL relatively soon. Yeah, um, but back to the game, uh, and you were talking about the Colts in the AFC South, um, the Titans, by the way, that, I mean, you compare four and five to seven and two, uh, you know, it's really not that bad. Like you said, they're still in there, but when you thinking about, think about those Titans at seven and two and the last couple games that they've won, um, that seven and two and four and five seem a whole lot farther apart. So it, yeah, I'm absolutely. interested to see how that how that plays out. But I just wanted to throw that in there because the Titans, I mean, they got what Chiefs. Uh, let me bring up the schedule because now I'm drawing a blank. They got the Chiefs in that win or in that uh, couple game stretch. Let's see what we got here. I mean, granted, they did lose to the Jets, but we just talked about the Jets a little bit, but. Uh, you got the they beat the Rams, Colts, tight or Chiefs and Bills in their last four games. I mean that's that's a tough four game stretch. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think I think so. that Jets game really woke them up. They kind of realized that, you know, hey, we can't just walk through our schedule. Um, and you know, last night they showed how good of a team they really are without Derrick Henry. You know, they turned around and they really manhandled the the Rams. You know, they, the score was twenty to sixteen, but it really didn't feel like it was that close. It felt like it was oh, it was, a, it was the Titans all day. Yeah, for sure, and especially with when you think about the Rams, like the Rams are one of the teams to beat this year, and you know, twelve points might not seem like a whole lot, but like you said, I mean, that was that was a, a great performance to put on. That definitely, I think, might have woken up a lot of the league, including myself. Um, I didn't really. The Titans were one of those teams that I thought could be good, but didn't necessarily have that that great ability. And then you know, like you said, they lost to the Jets, um, and that kind of woke them up. 
and honestly, they've proven me wrong the last four weeks, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> moving on with the NFL then, we're going to go ahead and cover uh, the Browns-Bengals. Now, the Browns last week, they Ooh. looked absolutely terrible. They got manhandled by the Steelers um, at home. Everybody was giving Baker Mayfield crap. They had a bunch of drama during the uh, during the week there with Odell Beckham Jr. and his father, uh, just stirring yeah. up a lot of drama. So uh, nobody was prepared for what was going to happen yesterday, and they came out and they yeah. just manhandled the Bengals and they treated the Bengals like they were the team that everybody thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year. You know, like next to nothing, and uh, they came out and they just ran all over the the Bengals. I agree that that game yesterday. Um... It wasn't how I expected it to go when I woke up that morning, yesterday morning. Um, But like you said, as far as season expectations, uh, that game was exactly what, at least what I thought and probably what a lot of people thought the expectations for those two teams were. Good defense and strong running game from the Browns, Bengals. uh, And the Bengals, I mean, for me, they're still exactly what I thought they were. Um, You know, they're a good team. Uh, not quite on the line there, but uh, in my opinion, they're over-exceeding my expectations. I mean, 5-4 and four isn't an eye-popping record by any means, but they're still they're still basically, now if you look at the standings, it looks like they're last because of head-to-head and whatnot, but they're still very much in that division. Um, you know, they're only, Ravens are only at 6-2, and two, so that that might be the division to watch going down going down the stretch here that as far as teams being close and seeing who pulls out yeah absolutely i mean the afc north is always like one of the most competitive divisions oh for sure and it's so where you look at the afc north compared to the nfc east and it's like they're not even in the same league not not competition wise but just like the nfc east always looks like it can never you know stop tripping over its own feet whereas yep. afc north you know week in week out even the the worst team like last year the Bengals were terrible but, you know, even in those losses, they didn't look, you know, like the worst team in the NFL until they lost Joe Burrow, which, I mean, anytime you lose your starting quarterback, it, it's going to be rough. Oh, um, yeah. But speaking of the AFC North, we'll go ahead and talk about the uh, the Ravens-Vikings um, game yesterday, which was a very good game. Went to overtime. Um, and the Ravens snuck out a, a win there on Justin Tucker's leg in overtime. Um, but the Ravens are 6-2, and two, and in those, those six wins, they've beaten some really good teams. Um, but they really haven't, you know, blown a lot of people out. Um, they, they really struggled, you know, most of the season. They played the Chiefs early. They were down, you know, two or three scores early, if I remember correctly. And then, you know, so. they, they turned it on there in the second half and, and kind of ran away with it then. But um, even in their wins, they've looked good. But they haven't looked complete yet, if if that makes sense. You know, they've they've shown, you know, surges of being really good, and then the next drive they come out and they, they just look terrible, um, and they just haven't found the right balance on offense or defense yet to, to just be strong nonstop. I I definitely agree with you there. Um, uh, first of all, I'll come out and say, uh, and you probably know, I've probably made comments to you. I, until this season started, I was very low on Lamar Jackson. Um, to me, his passing had gotten better, but he didn't really show enough to me for me to sit there and, and feel comfortable saying, okay, this guy could be an elite quarterback in the NFL. And even if you look at this year, his numbers might not necessarily blow you out of the water in some of his games, uh, but he's been playing playing very efficient football as far as whether it's using his arm or using his legs. 
Um, and, and the team, honestly, if this team can come together and have all 22 people that go onto the field be playing their position and be playing right and play together, this team could be one of the more dangerous teams um, in the NFL. And a lot of that does have to do with uh, Lamar Jackson. His wide receiving core is great. Um, running backs, especially with the injuries, have been iffy. But, I mean, when you got a built-in running back in your QB, that's, you know, not necessarily a huge concern. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I definitely agree. And, and quite honestly, they've beaten some good teams um, like the Chiefs. But at the same time, I mean, they're the longest field goal kick in NFL history away from losing to the Lions. You know what I mean? Exactly, so yeah. I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, they're they're right on – as far as where their talent level is, they, they could be up there at the top of the league. But as far as the way they're playing, you know, they've – they've got to put it all together um yeah absolutely and, and and this is the the one year where i would say the afc looks the most open as it has in the past couple of years i mean years ago you had brady in new england and new england would just dominate and yeah. then as he was kind of fading out there in new england you know patrick mahomes and the chiefs were taking over and running away with the afc and now the the, the chiefs we'll get to them here in a second but the chiefs just do not look like that super bowl caliber team that we've seen the last three years so it really looks like it's anybody's you know race out there in the AFC because even the Bills who everybody projected to be the best is you know stumbling around and they had trouble with Jacksonville this week and ended up losing so it, it, it's a very interesting situation to watch in the AFC uh, for sure I definitely agree it's completely different story which it usually is but this year it seems worse than ever as far as two it's like almost like they're playing in two different leagues as far as the AFC and the NFC the the talent level as far as top to bottom is just ridiculous yeah but but uh, yeah uh, wide open wide open yeah, i'm excited so we'll go ahead and we'll switch over and talk about that chiefs packers game uh the chiefs ended up uh pulling out that win 13 to 7 um it was a very defensive back and forth battle especially there at the end um you know jordan love obviously had to come in for aaron Rodgers, who was out with you know a positive covid test um did not look great early um, he was very, cons- he was consistent, but just not consistently good. If that makes any sense. Um, you know, he, he made some decent reads, um, just, you know, didn't put the ball in the right place when he threw that interception, uh, early in the fourth or late in the third, I can't quite remember. Um, he made the right read and, you know, he threw it to Devonte Adams, just didn't put the ball in the right spot, uh, overthrew him by like a foot and there was a, a DB to, to pick it off. Um, so, and everybody's panicking right now. That, you know, you know, Aaron Rodgers basically showed the Packers like, hey, you know, if I do leave next year, this is what you guys are stuck with. Um, and really, I, I don't think it's right for the, the Packer fans to panic um, because, like I said, he definitely didn't look like a, an MVP candidate like Aaron Rodgers does week in, week out. Um, but I think with enough you know direction and more time, he can be one of those, you know, very good starting quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, um, and and again, I agree with you there. Um, I I had my doubts about Jordan Love. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, obviously, the way they drafted him, uh, you know, was in my opinion wasn't correct. Wasn't going about the right way. Um, but you know, that's hearsay at this point. Uh, but you look at his stat line. I mean, he's 1934, 190 yards, one touchdown, one interception. I I can tell you. I mean, I'm only 23 years old, but in all the NFL that I've watched, like. It, it, to ask somebody to come in, especially somebody um, 
you know, you think about it, you're backing up Aaron Rodgers. You're like, that's like backing up Tom Brady. Like, you're not going to get a lot of playing time. You're not going to get a lot of reps, but you are going to learn a lot of things. And for somebody to come in, you know, 19 of 34, I'm not sure exactly what that percentage is. It would be a little above 50%, I believe. Um, just under 200 yards and then one touchdown, one interception. That's, to me, when you got somebody coming in for Aaron Rodgers playing against the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, again, Chiefs haven't been that great this year, but regardless, they can still put points up on the board in a hurry. And you come out and you only lose to them by six points. Uh, to me, I was I was very impressed. While he might not have looked perfect, I was very impressed by what he did. And quite honestly, if Rodgers isn't there next season, I think they'll be in good hands. If, he, if Jordan Love gets a whole offseason and preseason to work and get used to things and get in his rhythm, I, I, I think they'd be all right, for sure. Yeah, but, I, I absolutely agree. And I, I think he got put in the worst, you know, situation because... Oh, yeah, all um, that drama going on Yeah, around, and absolutely. Like, is, he gets drafted. He just wants to come in there and learn. And, you know, I mean, Aaron Rodgers was just ticked off from the, the get-go. So, and, you know, and he probably doesn't feel any ill will towards Jordan Love, when, you know, himself. I'm sure, you know, they were hanging out at parties and stuff. I'm sure, you know, they get along well. But just the situation the Packers put Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers in just was not like you said it was it was terrible from the get go, um, yeah. but you know he showed a lot of resilience yesterday, you know going out he like I said he threw that that pick um, they were driving down the field um, through that costly interception, you know defense made a great stop they turn out to get the ball back and he just leads them right back down the field and they score that touchdown, um, and I, I think with another chance you know with the ball, you know. They might have scored again, you know. Their defense just, you know, you know, collapsed at the wrong, wrong place, wrong time. Kansas City is able to pick up a couple first downs, just ice the game. Um, but you know, for his very first start, and especially like you said, like you know, Kansas City hasn't been the greatest. But anytime you play in Arrowhead Stadium, it's going to be difficult. You know. Oh yeah. And uh, the fact that he was able to go in there and, and perform the way he did, like I, like we said, you know, it wasn't great. It wasn't like, you know, everybody's, you know, like we said, a lot of people are doubting him now, or in the Packers even more. Um, but he was able to go in the arrowhead, you know, he put points up on the board. He looked resilient at the very least. And I think that's at least yeah. something the Packers can look at and be like, okay, we can build on that. You know, we, we can put more resources and effort into him and we should be okay. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And, and quite honestly, like this is, you know, might not necessarily have anything to do with what's going on right now and whatnot, but just because we're talking about it, they, if Aaron Rodgers decides to leave this off season, and decides to take his talents wherever he decides to take them. They cannot mismanage. I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that Jordan Love's going to be another Aaron Rodgers either. But they cannot mismanage the offense the way that they did with Aaron Rodgers. They're lucky to have gotten as many good seasons as they've gotten recently because Aaron Rodgers has carried that offense tremendously throughout the years. And I'm not saying he's been doing it as much lately. You got Aaron Jones, you got Devontae Adams. That definitely helps. But if Jordan Love is playing good, whether he's playing Rodgers good or whether he's playing just starting QB good, you need to manage that correctly, put the weapons around him, and you will continue to see success after Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely. Um, moving on then, we're going to go ahead and look at the Chargers. They visited Philadelphia this week. And that was another great back-and-forth game. Um, Chargers were able to pull it out though there at the end. Um, Justin Herbert had three TDs. He's a lot of people talked about him at the beginning. They had some tough losses, especially uh, at Baltimore. Baltimore just blew him out of the water. He didn't look great in that game. 
but he is, I think, having just shy of an MVP season. I wouldn't put him up in that category yet. You know, I think Lamar and Allen before yesterday, I would have put them in that MVP category. Uh, Rodgers, too. I would put Herbert in that subsection just below that, that he is on the verge of being an MVP. I can agree with that. He's definitely, he's shown flashes all season. Um, and if you think about it, uh, they're, they're a good team. They got a good defense. Uh, they got weapons on offense. Um, and they're sitting at five and three at the top of their division. Um, and if you think about that five and three, that's a very friendly five and three. Um, you know, you got week one, they won by four points week two. They lost by three to Dallas. In reality, they're a field goal away from going into overtime, and then who knows what. Then they beat the Chiefs, turn around, beat the Raiders. You know, Raiders have been a good team this year. Squeezed by the Browns in a high-scoring game. Um, like you said, got shut out by the Ravens. Lost a close one to Bill Belichick and the Patriots, um, who I think by the end of the season could be late playoff contenders, possibly Super Bowl contenders, because we all know what Bill Belichick does with – a good defense and an out of shape white boy at QB. Um, but regardless, uh, back to the game this weekend, uh, the Eagles to me, um, and maybe this is a little biased because I'm a fan in the NFC East, but the Eagles to me really aren't as good as the hype they've gotten this season. Um, I have a fellow f- friend of mine who's an Eagles fan. We talk all the time. He's like absolutely blown away by how they've even done this good this year. But regardless, um, again, squeezing by three-point win Justin Herbert for him taking that step to the sub-tier MVP category to the MVP category is going to be continuing to win those games that are one possession games yeah absolutely I mean and I remember watching you know we briefly mentioned when the Chargers played the Cowboys I remember watching that I mean the the refs were, were horrible for both sides um but they're right at the end you know they had the ball in the red zone they're getting ready to score and and then they did make a lot of mistakes on that drive, you know. Um, just they, they need to get better in certain situations of, of being aware of what's going on. You know, they had a – I'm pretty sure they had an illegal re- receiver downfield, and then it was a block in the back. And all of a sudden, you go from being on the five-yard line to the 35-yard line. And, you know, they, they even got pushed out of field goal range after that then too because of a, a fumble. So a part of it is, you know, Justin Herbert just needs to take that next step. And his leadership, but, you know, uh, the rest of it is that the team itself, you know, needs to be more aware and Make, more understanding of, okay, I'm in this situation. I mean, regardless, when you're playing football, you shouldn't, you need to be more aware, period. But especially when you're in those situations where, hey, we're down by three, we're driving, don't make a stupid mistake. Yeah, making sure if if a team beats you, it's because they won the game, not because you lost the game. Exactly. Uh, moving on. Go ahead, and we're going to talk about the Cardinals uh, at the 49ers. Cardinals just manhandled the 49ers all day. Um, a great bounce-back win for them after losing that tough game uh, at home on Thursday night against the Packers. Um, but they absolutely just, especially without Kyler Murray, Colt McCoy steps in. Um, yeah, I mean, 31-17, like, Texans... like, that's a 14-point game. Most people wouldn't think that's blown away. But when you think about, like, backup QB, mm-hmm. that's – that game was out of hand. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It, Colt McCoy steps in and he looked like the Texas Colt McCoy that we all thought was going to be in the NFL. Um, the one that I wish could have been in Washington. Yeah. 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 But yeah, the, he, he looked absolutely fantastic and de- definitely um, w- looked like a very capable backup QB, which is scary for the rest of the NFC West, knowing <laughs> that Colt McCoy 
Now, granted, it was a, it might have been a fluke. It might have been whatever you want to call it. It was one game. But the, the point is, is they have a very capable backup ready to step in and, and you know, take oh, yeah. over. And he and he always has, in my opinion. Like, I mean, he's never going to blow you away with his talent or stats or anything like that. But Colt McCoy has always been uh, serviceable at the very least. And when you put the weapons around him that Arizona has uh, paired with that defense, in all honesty – they're probably just asking him not to lose games. You know, yeah. go out there, make the right throws, make the right reads, don't play no hero ball, and, and he did it very well. Yeah, absolutely, he did. All right, moving on. We briefly mentioned it before, but uh, the Bills at Jaguars, uh, and just an absolutely sloppy game, <clears throat> especially for the Bills. Now, the Jaguars, you expect this kind of play. Um, you know, they've had a great defense all year. That's what's kept them in most of their games. Um, offense just hasn't been there as it was yesterday, but the Bills just did not show up at all. Um, yeah, uh, to be honest with you, I'm not a hundred percent sure how I feel about this. Uh, Josh Allen was my preseason MVP pick. Um, besides joking around about Ryan Fitzpatrick, which was probably why I get injured, but we'll skip that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but regardless, uh, preseason MVP pick, um, I've been high on Allen for a couple years now, even before, even when Bills fans wanted him traded, like I was like, I don't know, man, this kid's got talent. Uh, but he definitely he hasn't been playing up to his full potential or anywhere near what he played last year. He's shown spurts, um, and I'm not sure. Obviously, some of it falls on him, um, but at the end of the day, you can't lose nine to six to the Jaguars. Not if you're having MVP hopes. Not if you're having Super Bowl hopes. You just can't. Um, you know, maybe a couple years ago when the Jags were in the playoffs, that's a different story. But this is not those Jags. Um, and if the Bills want to continue on the path to success, they're definitely going to need something to figure out because they got the Jets coming up next, um, which is another game or another team uh, like we briefly touched on earlier that is a lot better than what their record would show. Um, and then after that, you got Colts, Saints, Patriots, Buccaneers, Panthers, Patriots again, and none of those are going to be easy. No, absolutely. And, you know, they have a very tough schedule. And now, granted, you know, teams are bound to have a bad game every once in a while. It's, it's not like we're saying, hey, the sky's falling out in Buffalo. Um, you know, that's, that's for the yeah, same from what I, we're saying. Yeah, I wouldn't like, panic just... yet, but I, I'd be aware that, you know, something like that. Because when you think about something like that, it doesn't, you know, you have good games and bad games, like you said. But losses like that, losses that shouldn't happen that bad and, mm-hmm. and do there's a reason and whatever you want to point those fingers at that's that's what needs to be picked up or you know these tougher teams down the stretch are going to take advantage yeah absolutely and you know like we we briefly touched on you know the the patriots we're getting ready to talk about their game um they're right there right behind the bills so you know if it comes down to the end of the season between the bills and the pats for that division you know say patriots go ahead and squeak it out you know this is going to be one of those games they look back on and go you know, that, that was a wasted opportunity. Um, and, you know, again, we're not trying to shame the Jaguars, but we know that they're definitely in a rebuilding mode. You know, they're not in a playoff contention right now. It's a team that uh, as... They're know, a lot looking, better than I expected them absolutely. to be. Absolutely, yeah. Looking at the preseason, though, you know, we're saying like, hey, you look at the Jags, you know, you should be beating up on them. Not, you know, 9-6, to six, you know, you're walking away with a loss. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, go ahead. We're going to talk about the Patriots and Panthers now. Patriots came in here to Carolina and just mud hole stomped the Panthers. Um, I think 
you know, the, the, the writing was on the wall basically before for Sam Darnold. There was a couple people still holding out, be like, no, he can get this figured out. You know, Matt Rule can turn it around. I think this was the, the week where everybody finally went, okay, I don't think there's much hope left in the Sam Darnold project. Um, I, I'm right there with you uh, to an extent. Um, I had a lot of confidence in Darnold going in Carolina. Now, obviously, um, he's got weapons around him. He's got CMC, um, more... Uh, totally blanking on the other guy's name right now, but regardless, he's got he's got talent around him. But other than C, uh, CMC, you know his wide receivers aren't necessarily elite, top tier. They put up good numbers, um, but as far as you know, like the sorry, as far as the DeAndre Hopkins and you know those of the world, he doesn't have any. Um, so that's obviously gonna take away from a quarterback ceiling uh, to a point. Um, and he showed promise that that uh, that Panthers team is not as bad uh, like the Jaguars, not as bad as I thought they were going to be preseason, um, even though I did have some hope for Sam Darnold in uh, this game. While I feel like many people are going to look at it and say, all right, you know, Sam Darnold has proven who Sam Darnold is. Um, I, I don't quite think so. Um, now, obviously, we got some games coming up. Uh, the Brown. Uh, sorry, I'm looking at the Patriots schedule right now. Um, but he's going to need to prove that, you know, the flashes that he was showing towards the beginning of the season are him, um, getting CMC back, you know, I thought that that would help uptick, but at the end of the day, they played the Bill Belichick Patriots and, but we all know what Bill Belichick's defenses will do to any quarterback that's not top tier and even some of the top tier ones so i don't completely blame darnold for this but i want to see how he reacts and before i make a final decision but i I do agree that many people are probably jumped off the the darnold train yeah absolutely um continuing on here then we have the giants and the raiders um probably everybody you know i think three weeks ago would have said you know the raiders are going to manhandle the giants um, obviously the Raiders had a lot of, uh, ongoing drama in the back that probably hampered, you know, their ability to prepare for this week. Um, but the Giants have quietly started to turn around. I wouldn't say, you know, they're fully turned around. They're ready to compete in that division for the, the title yet. Um, but they have definitely turned it around from where they were just a few weeks ago. Oh, definitely. Um, and the Giants as, as a fan of a team in the NFC East, um, I obviously pay a lot of t- attention to all the other teams. And the Giants were one team to me, like, I couldn't decide during the preseason. I really couldn't. Um, Part of me wanted to say they were going to be terrible because everybody else said that. Um, Or not everybody else, but some other people were saying that. Part of me thought they were going to be really good. Um, And to be 100% honest with you, it all comes down to what Danny Dimes you get on what given week. Um, I've watched him put the team on his back and just absolutely hustle and fight to try to bring it bring them back or keep a lead or whatever and then i've seen times where it just it it looks like a completely different person he doesn't have any drive he's you know making mistakes making bad reads whatever so um, honestly the giant ceiling is danny daniel jones's ceiling uh in my opinion absolutely um just a couple more games here to go over in the nfl uh, Falcons able to sneak out a win over the Saints, which is very surprising, especially after the, you know the Saints uh, handled the Buccaneers last week. Uh, Falcons sneak it out with a late field goal um, to take the win. Matt Ryan, um, he has looked very good at times this year. 
Um, and there's been other games where, you know, his protection wasn't there or his receivers weren't there. Um, but this is the game where I think it finally, you know, his protection was great. His receivers were on point. They had the running game going a little bit. Um, not great, um, but, you know, enough to, to, to keep the chains moving here and there. Um, but Matt Ryan, 23 of 30 for 343 yards and two touchdowns. Um, you know, when they made that Super Bowl run a couple years ago, those were the numbers he was putting up. And that's what they need from him week in, week out. Agreed. Um, and, and to be 100% honest with you, like, I, I'm i not even sure if it's Matt Ryan. Uh, he hasn't gotten a whole lot of help. Calvin Ridley, before he, you know, decided what he decided, wasn't putting up great numbers. Uh, Pitts wasn't exactly living up to the hype. Um, and, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's individual players or uh, team playbook or you know i i don't know right, right. personally what exactly is causing that but it they definitely did look like a better falcons team this year or this year this week um and i'm, I'm kind of excited to see because i've always been a little matty ice fan uh there were talks in the preseason about him going places and whatnot and as a washington football team fan you know there were talks about him going there and i i would have been happy i, I love yeah. me some matty ice um he's definitely one of the better quarterbacks and he's getting up there in age, but he's still, he's still got some youth to him. And, and I feel like if he still had a little more help around him again, really not performing up, you know, to what he was supposed to and whatnot, I, I think it wouldn't even be a question about where his talent level's at. Right. Um, but I feel like he gets a lot of undeserved hate. I feel like he's, yeah, I think he has taken that step away from the elite status where he was a few years ago. Like you said, when they were yes. making those playoff runs constantly, but a lot of people are treating him like he's washed up. He's no good anymore. I I can tell you right now. Uh, you know, you said you wanted him to come to Washington. If he came to the Bears, I would have been absolutely ecstatic. Oh yeah, um, like he is still, like I said, not that elite level, but he is still one of the very top tier quarterbacks. And I feel like he gets no. a lot of undeserved hate in, around the league from fans oh, anyway. Sure. Yeah, he definitely. And, and I think a lot of it, a lot of it might be um, Atlanta. You know, Atlanta's yeah, a tough, a tough city. Uh, by all means, um, and the fans, you know, they, they just want to win. And especially with somebody uh, like Ryan, who they've seen had great success and whatever. A lot of times teams are quick to, to put the brakes on and, and, you know, clean out the trash, so to speak. And, and quite honestly, Matt Ryan is, is not trash. He could still be a serviceable, serviceable QB for at least three more years, but it'll, it'll depend on, it'll depend on him. Absolutely. And it's important to note too, that, you know, this this wasn't a fully healthy um, Saints team. You know, they were missing Jameis Winston, uh, who's possibly out for the season now. Um, but Trevor Simeon, you know, who two years ago, if you would have said that name, I would have been like, why, <laughs> why is he playing? Um, yeah. But he stepped up. He also performed very well, 25 of 41, 249 yards and two tees. Um, Alvin Kamara with a rushing touchdown then. Um, so they definitely, I would say for what the Saints had, um, they looked very good. Um, obviously not as, as high caliber as what we were used to seeing with them. Um, but I think, you know, for the, having the service, basically their third string QB, um, as Taysom Hill didn't play, um, I think they looked very good. I agree. And the Saints are one of those. I've been very questionable about the Saints all season. Uh, you know, they went out there week one and destroyed the Packers and everybody was kind of like, what the hell is going on? Um, and then things kind of mellowed out and they started to get back to where everybody thought they were, um, which, which isn't a bad team. I, I haven't picked as uh, lower level playoff contenders. Um, they could make the playoffs. They could even win a game, maybe even two, depending on what the schedule in the playoffs looked like and depending on how they played 
because their ceiling is very high. Um, but the only the only problem with them, as we've seen in certain weeks, their floor is also very low. So it's going to be very important for the Saints, um, you know, no matter who they have in there, to to play up to their ceiling and keep playing up to their ceiling and avoid um, because it, when they're playing their best football, they're very hard out. But when they're playing, you know, their worst football, they are one of the lower end teams in the league. So it's going to be very important them to play up to their uh, potential. Absolutely. For the rest of the year. Uh, all right, moving on. We've got two games left here uh, from Sunday. Miami hosted Houston in probably one of the ugliest football games I've seen in a very long time. A total of nine turnovers. Uh, final score, 17-9. Jacoby Brissett threw two interceptions. Tyrod Taylor threw three interceptions. Uh, and then just fumble on fumble on fumble after that. Yeah, uh, definitely, like you said, not a very pretty game at all. Um, and at to be honest with you, <laughs> not much different than what was expected. Um, two teams definitely trying to find their identity right now. You got the Texans dealing with their Deshaun Watson stuff. Uh, the Dolphins trying to figure out. I mean, they you know they had Tua, and they struggled with him and Fitzpatrick last season deciding who they were going to play. And obviously they they went with Tua, and it hasn't quite worked out for him. They did get the win, but. When you're talking about the Texans, uh, in my opinion, probably the worst team in the league. So I'm not really sure how much beating them really, you know, gets you going. But somewhere to start. Absolutely. You know, something, something, the first positive game all season, take it from there and see where it goes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then moving on, final game in the NFL from Sunday, um, Broncos uh, upsetting uh, oh, yes, know, sir. I was excited uh, to talk about this game. Um, Teddy Bridgewater looked like the Teddy Bridgewater of old, you know, the one that led Minnesota to all those playoff runs uh, before he got hurt. Um, he even looked great on the Saints. Um, he showed up yesterday with what the Vikings wanted all along, with what the Panthers wanted, you know, last year. Um, he definitely showed up and showed out yesterday. I definitely I agree. He was he was making great decisions, um, and that's a defense that, quite honestly, in the preseason I laughed at. Um, you know, it was embarrassing last year how bad that defense was, especially the secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you got Trayvon Diggs who's pulling out interceptions left and right. Uh, Mika Parsons, who, as a Penn State fan, like that was my boy. Like if I wanted him to go anywhere in the NFL, it was not Dallas. Right. Um, and, and he's been balling out this year, looking like Rookie of the Year, um, you know, which I, I fully expected. Um, I expected him personally to do good uh, as far as Diggs. Diggs came out of nowhere with all these interceptions. Um, he's still got some issues covering. Uh, Patrick made him look like a fool all night. Um, but I, I'm interested to see uh, where where that defense comes out after this. But as far as, as the Broncos, no, you're right. Uh, played the exact game they wanted to play. It was very efficient, whether it was in the air or on the ground. The defense was solid. I mean, one of the top offense in the NFL, and until garbage time, mm-hmm. they had them shut out. So it, it was definitely – it was a great performance by the Broncos. Um they're one of those teams, especially this year, it seems, that play up to the potential of the team they're playing, but will also play down to the potential. Absolutely. Um, so I'd like to see them uh, get their get their act together, start playing up to their potential and not playing to other people's potential and, and see what happens the rest of the season. 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, just speaking on Dallas real quick, uh, like you said, you know, they, they didn't look great until garbage time. Now, uh, Dak did look a little rusty. Obviously, he had last week off he because did. of his grandmother passing. Um, so he probably had a lot going on in his head and like, you know, that week off, um, probably wasn't, you know, the best for him. Uh, but obviously, you know, prayers up for him and his family. Um, but I, I, I fully expect them next week. Um, you know, they play the Falcons at home, um, which I think will be a great game, but I think that oh, yeah. that's the point where, you know, we, we see if this team's gonna strengthen yeah. together or, or fall apart. I agree. And, and quite honestly, um, you know, Dallas has a history of falling apart. Uh, now there's been coaching changes and whatnot. So I'm interested to see if that continues. Um, as far as that offense, I, that offense is just insane. Um, I, I do think it does get overhyped sometimes. Um, I mean, you look at that game last night and, or, uh, Sunday, and that just proves why I feel the way I feel. I mean, you got receivers getting paid millions of dollars and they're out there dropping wide open passes and, and stuff like that. So uh, I, I, for their sake, I hope that Dallas can prove me wrong. And I know that I'm a little biased, um, as far as that goes, but quite honestly, I, I think Dallas, um, I think this year's Dallas team, because of the offense that they have and because of the defense playing above what they were expected to play, has a lot of hype around it. Um, I do view them. Now, there's a tough schedule towards the end of the year in the NFC East um, with everybody playing each other in the last, like, six weeks. Um, so that'll it'll be interesting to see who comes out where as far as that goes. Because um, right now, Dallas is in the driver's seat, but... I wouldn't, though a lot of people might call it comfortably with, you know, six or the next closest record being three and six, I wouldn't call it comfortable yet. Um, you know, they won a game the week before with their backup, looked good, but I, I just, they've played a relatively soft schedule. Um, the best team, in my opinion, that they played was uh, the Buccaneers. And quite honestly, they lost that game and they should have gone into overtime and possibly lost against the Chargers. So I, I, I'm very intrigued to see as their schedule starts coming up. Like you said, they got the Falcons at home. That's a nice turnaround game before you got the Chiefs. Um, the Chiefs could change their ways literally any week. And then they got Raiders, Saints, and they get into divisional play. So I, I'd like to see them prove me wrong i mean i wouldn't like to see it but <laughs> for their sake i'd like to see them prove me wrong uh, and see where where they can go from there all right so moving on now we're going to go ahead and talk about in college football uh, we're going to go over the top 25 games here um we're going to go ahead and start with georgia the number one team just absolutely throttling missouri which nobody um didn't expect to happen missouri hung yeah, around early uh, but georgia um, you know, seven to three after the first quarter. After that, you know, the Georgia team that we know just came out and, like we said, just ran all over Missouri. Yeah, and Georgia, uh, that's kind of how Georgia is. Um, they rely heavily on their defense and their run game. Not that they can't pass, um, they definitely can. They have plenty of talent, plenty of arm to pass. Um, but, but Georgia is definitely, you know, that methodical control the game. And you'll control the outcome team. Um, so the seven to three at the end of the fourth quarter, first quarter, 
you know, doesn't bother me at all. In my opinion, that is the best team in college football right now. Um, and obviously it's not just my opinion, um, but that, that team is going to be hard for anybody to beat. Absolutely. So moving on then, uh, the next game up, Ohio State, Nebraska. Now this game was a lot closer than a lot of people would have liked. Um, Buckeyes, I feel like didn't earn any style points at all with this win. Uh, Nebraska hung around to late, uh, and Adrian Martinez threw that just nasty interception. Um, but Ohio State is, is a team to me that's very weird. Um, I agree. That I think they have yet to look really, really good in a game this year. And the reason they now, haven't I know they like blew the out, Ohio State you're used to seeing. Yeah. Exactly. Now I know they blew out. You know their their middle schedule there right after that loss to Oregon. They had a couple cakewalk games. Um, and you know, they, they started to look good and everything's okay. Ohio state's back. They're fine now. Uh, then they got into their tough schedule, you know, Indiana, they throttled. Um, and I think that was a point where a lot of people went, okay, yep, we're good. And then they play Penn state and they let Penn state hang around all night. If it wasn't for that scoop and score, uh, from their defense, you know, that's a completely different ball game. We're talking about against Penn oh, state. Yeah. Well, and that's a, and, and that's a butterfly effect thing too um as somebody as stated earlier being a penn state fan um you know penn state season in all reality comes down to getting sean clifford getting hurt in the iowa game um you know they turn around we had a 17 point lead 17 or 13 point lead one Mm -hmm. or two um when he had gotten injured might even been more than that i don't remember if they only had three when he got injured or not. Um, but regardless, we only, they ended up coming back and barely winning that game against us. Um, you know, you had Illinois, Sean Clifford, anybody who watched that game knew Sean Clifford wasn't a hundred percent. In my opinion, he shouldn't have been in, but regardless, um, but by putting him in that game, you caused him to not be a hundred percent for the game that really mattered. Cause like we had talked about it before, they could have lost to Illinois, um, whatever went on and played against Ohio state. And if they'd won been on, but as far as Ohio State goes, they really didn't – they haven't looked to me like Ohio State, like I said earlier, like the normal Ohio State we're used to seeing all season. Uh, they're sitting at 7-1. You know, they lost to Oregon, who's also sitting at 7-1 in the first week. They managed to battle their way back up. But quite honestly, like when I uh, – being a Penn State fan, I'm very biased against Ohio State. So previous seasons, it would have been easy for me to say, oh, they don't deserve to be number four. Nah. They are within the top four. They deserved in previous seasons to be where they were. Right. I personally don't think that they are number f- the fifth best team in the country right now. I, I just don't. And, and, and it's going to be very hard because coming into this week, they only had one win against a ranked opponent, and that ranked opponent was Minnesota. Well, Minnesota lost this week, which we'll get to here in a second, and they're going to drop out of the top 25. They were barely inside the top 25. They lost to an unranked Illinois team. They're going to drop out of the top 25. So it, it'll be interesting to see if the committee keeps them, keeps Ohio State where they were, or if they were like, okay, your only ranked win is gone now. Um, and, and and just to see where they put that on, on the pedestal for Ohio State. Yeah. Um, and they've been they've been very friendly to Ohio State in the past. Um, I, I won't mention anything specific. <laughs> Snubbing Penn State a few years back. But I, I can't imagine that they're going to – by the time this all plays out, even, I mean, if Ohio state wins out, obviously there's a discussion there because they still have some games left, um, that, that will help. But 
I just I, I don't see them finishing the season in the final playoff rankings. Absolutely. Um, so let's see here. Moving on, we have Wake Forest visited North Carolina. It was the first time since the 1940s that Wake Forest was ranked in the top 10. Um, and they laid an egg. They were up 14 late against Shut North Carolina. Fast. And um, yeah, it, North Carolina just came out of nowhere. Um, Wake Forest threw a costly interception there at the end. Ty Chandler. Um, who has quietly had probably one of the best seasons uh, in college football. Um, you know, Michigan State's running back has, you know, taken all the hype away um, out there. Uh, Walker. Yeah. Um, every, all the focus is Deservedly. Yeah, he's had an insane season too. But yeah, absolutely. I, I agree but, with you. Yep. Yeah. Um, Chandler has just – I saw him in person. They played Miami. And I just watched him run all over Miami's defense. And he did the same thing on – Saturday with Wake Forest, four touchdowns, 213 yards on 22 carries. Um, almost averaged 10 yards a carry, and that's just how outstanding he was on Saturday. Um, I think Wake Forest, I would have argu- I was arguing all last week leading up to this game, they deserve to be ranked higher, and they did because they everybody's like, oh, they're having a cakewalk in, you know, in the ACC. That's the same schedule, though, that Clemson had. And everybody's like, oh, my God, Clemson's so good. And they were putting up 70 points on everybody. Their offense, and, you know, they put up 55 on North Carolina. Their offense is really, really good. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, their defense cracked at the wrong time. And I think they got a little bit in their own heads and, you know, let the ranking get to them. Oh, yeah. um, and North Carolina, who... They had who nothing I, to lose. Yeah, absolutely. Who I, I honestly picked North Carolina at the beginning of the season to be in the college football playoff. Just because of how mm-hmm. they played last year, they had one of the best recruiting classes, and Mac Brown looked like he was getting his swagger back. I was like, North Carolina's going to be good. Yeah. And this week they played like that team that I thought they were going to be all season. Um, so it was just unfortunate for Wake Forest to catch North Carolina at that time. Uh, but a bit of reality check for them, and hopefully Wake Forest can get, regather themselves, get it back together, <clears throat> and keep pushing to win the ACC division. So they can make it to the conference championship, and you know, eventually, whatever bowl game they end up with, with the the playoff being the Orange Bowl, they can't go there. So, um, but I, I look forward to Wake Forest continuing their growth and getting better from this. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and then just another quick point: I said this uh, on Twitter on Saturday. Sam Hartman, um, I think, should be in the Heisman conversation even now. Um, you know, he had two two interceptions. You know, is is not great on any day. Um, but through for almost 400 yards and just all season before this game, he's looked just just top tier quarterback in college, um, and which nobody really talked about him coming into the season. Yeah, and I think I think that's the biggest thing, um, and maybe why, in my opinion, they're still not talking about him enough is because you know you had the Spencer Rattlers, the Willis, the all that everybody was so hyped, and and it's not the best year for college QBs either. Um, right. Absolutely. So there hasn't been as much hype around the QB class in general. And then you have the few that were taking it away from them. Um, but like you said, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. He's put on a great season. Um, and, you know, at, at the very least, I'd like to see him get a little more respect that he's deserved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so moving on then, we had Liberty visiting Ole Miss. This was Hugh Freeze's return to Ole Miss since uh, being fired a few years ago. Um, mm-hmm. Ole Miss handled them pretty well. You know, it, it was 27-14, you know, two-score game. Um, but for the most part, it, w- it was all Ole Miss all day. Um, they were up 24 nothing at halftime. Uh, Liberty got two touchdowns in the third. 
uh, Ole Miss added the field goal, but it was it was Ole Miss's ball game to lose all day. Yeah, and and quite honestly, I mean, you know, you might have Willis at quarterback at Liberty, but it's there's not much to be expected from something like that. I mean, you're talking about an Ole Miss team that was at one point thought to be the Bama this year, mm-hmm. um, you know, a- until that Bama game. And and they're a great team. Uh, you know, they they've had some some bad luck. They've had some miscues. They've had whatever. Um, but but a, a good team nonetheless. Um, and, you know, Liberty. Uh, I mean, you could call it hung around, even though the first half they were scoreless. Uh, however you want to look at it. Not not a bad game, you know, all things considered. But there's only so much you can do, um, you know, in certain situations. And obviously we've seen bigger upsets happen, but it's it's the way college football goes. Absolutely. And then Ole Miss got in a little bit of trouble after the game with their tweets, uh, you know, citing Hugh Freeze's tweets right before he got fired. Um, so they got a little bit of hot water for that. They apologized. Um, but speaking of Heisman contenders, Matt Corral, now he did not look good at all in that Alabama game, uh, but Alabama's defense has a habit of making good quarterbacks look bad. Yeah. Um, but he had a, he had a stellar Saturday, uh, twenty of twenty seven for three hundred twenty four yards, um, which you know, anytime you can only have seven incompletions and throw for over three hundred yards, you're gonna have a good day. Oh yeah, and and quite honestly, um, it, he hasn't as far as the general consensus, he hasn't really jumped out ahead, um, as far as you know his quarterbacking and um, his potential in the future, uh. But in in my personal opinion, um, you know, you think about the teams that he has faced, and like you said, he didn't look good in that Alabama game. But I mean, it's it's Alabama. Uh, their defense is is top notch, and it is what it is. Um, but he, in my opinion, from what I've seen this season, uh, obviously Spencer Rattler hasn't lived up to what he what everybody thought he would be. Um, and Matt Corral really is in the driver's seat of his own destiny right now. And if he continues to play good, um, he's he's going to be happy with with where he personally ends up. Now, obviously, Ole Miss, um, they're not they're not going to do anything as far as playoffs or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But he is very well in control of his own destiny at this point, and he just needs to keep playing sound, secure ball, and he'll be all right. Absolutely. Uh, Ole Miss has a huge game this week coming up. They have Texas A&M at home. Um, right now, both teams are ranked 16th and 14th. Um, so that'll go a long way in deciding the SEC West uh, and who gets into the conference championship game to most likely face Georgia as Georgia's just starting to run away with the, the East. Um, but moving on, we have Illinois visiting Minnesota. Um, your typical Big Ten game, 14-6, to not high scoring, not a lot of offense. Um but Illinois has, you know, two major upsets or on the record now. Um, they had Penn State at home a couple weeks ago, uh, now, or excuse me, Penn State on the road a couple weeks ago, and now upsetting Minnesota on the road as well. Um, like we touched on, Minnesota was Ohio State's only ranked win, so with them losing, um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what the committee does with that. But Illinois just having a, a quietly the big, impressive. The Big Ten's year. getting interesting real quick. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and I don't know if you saw, but Illinois punter had that crazy celebration, you know, at the end of the game, basically that ice that he pins Minnesota on like the two yard line, does a row of the boat and then breaks the, the row, the oar over <laughs> his knee, um, and which I love any time uh, a punter you oh, know, yeah. can have a little fun with that. You know, Marquette King was one of my favorite punters in the NFL there for a while. 
uh, and as a special teams coordinator formerly, you know, that's just something you always love to see. Um, you know, those oh, guys yeah. having you, a little bit did. of character, a little bit of swagger. Uh, so I absolutely yeah, love to like, see it. Like Pat McAfee, one of my favorite human beings on this entire earth. One, because he was a punter, and two, because he was an electric punter. Like you just got to make things excited. You know, all yeah. you do is kick balls. Like you got to get, you got to do everything you can for your team. And and you know, even though end of the game, whatever people may not think about it, about it a lot, but that momentum carries. Absolutely. And and that celebration and getting the team hyped up, they're going to carry that into practice this week. They're going to carry it into the game next week, and and it's going to be a good time. And and yeah, by all means, uh, he had every right to celebrate, and I hope everybody was celebrating with him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, now, uh, Illinois has two games left. Um, they have Iowa in two weeks. They have a bye week this week. Um, that Iowa team has not looked very good at all since that Penn State upset. Um, you know, even in that game, like we touched on earlier, you know, they haven't looked yeah. the greatest. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Illinois can keep this momentum rolling. If they get those two more wins, they're finally going to be bill eligible. Um, so I'm very curious to see how they're going to perform over the last yeah. two games. And I'm excited for them uh, because – one, they're looking at that bowl eligibility, but two, they were a team that was very intriguing to me at the start of the season. Um, it, it didn't seem like they were getting enough respect, uh, and you know, throughout the season, um, it kind of just piled on. You know, they weren't doing anything crazy or nothing like that um, until upsetting Penn State, and obviously this past week. Um, and I hope they continue to do it because I I had higher hopes for them than than what they've provided this season. Um, so I, I'm rooting for them towards the end of this season. Uh, and obviously, the more they win, the more we look good. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so moving on, then we had Pittsburgh Duke. Um, Pittsburgh looked rough early. It was a very back-and-forth game to start. Um, but as the game went on, uh, as soon as it hit the second half, really, the, I mean, the halfway through the second quarter, uh, Pittsburgh just started pouring it on. Uh, Duke was actually leading after the first quarter. Um, but, yeah, Pittsburgh put up 23 in the second. Uh, it took until about seven minutes left um, for them to you know, really get their scoring going there in the second quarter. Um, but once they started, they, they just couldn't turn it back off. Um, ended up rolling over Duke 54-29. Yeah, and and first of all, Pickett, um, he's another person that I don't think is getting enough credit. And everybody's looking at him and everybody's talking about him, but I, I still don't think – I mean, you're talking about a pit team that – maybe it's just because I'm a Penn State fan, so maybe I see it often, but Pitt to me is like one of the most trash talk schools – as far as like for being bad now you get like Alabama catches a lot of hate just like the Patriots caught a lot of hate and whatnot but like Pitt is one of those teams that everybody just seems to to down Mm -hmm. and Pickett's came out this year um you know he had some hype around him and whatnot but he's balling out absolutely and and honestly quite honestly I, I think he should be higher up in the Heisman conversations or any conversations like that because you know, you got people like C.J. Stroud and um, you know, basically just Matt Corral, all those those quarterbacks leading big-time teams. And then you got Pickett leading Pitt, you know. Yeah, and, absolutely. And you think about last year compared to this year, it's just he's definitely not getting – he's getting credit, but he's not getting the credit he deserves for, for what he's done. Nobody on that team really. That team um, has turned around and has made themselves – a, a tough team to face this year and, and I can definitely appreciate that yeah absolutely and just just to touch on Pickett you know I've 
I mean, it feels like he's been there forever. You know, he had mm-hmm. with with the extra year of COVID, he decided to come back this season. Um, but he he just put up on gaudy numbers this year. Uh, over three thousand yards passing that would push them fifth in the nation right now, and twenty nine touchdowns, which is third in the nation. So just to yeah. see him. And, you know, like a couple years ago, I remember when, you know, Penn State went to Pitt, that rainy Saturday night game um, mm-hmm. that was just sloppy back and forth. He looked terrible that season. Um, but this year, he's been able to bring it back. Um, and like I said, he just looked absolutely outstanding. Um, he's been really fun to watch, and hopefully they can keep it rolling uh, in the next couple weeks here. Definitely. Uh, so moving on to Cincinnati, Tulsa. Um, college game day was at Cincinnati for the first time ever this week. Um and they almost blew it. Uh, you know, this is not the Cincinnati team. Everybody thought they're having a little bit of trouble in their division uh, or their conference, I should say. Um, Tulsa was three and five coming to this game. They had the ball late um, on the goal line. They should have scored a touchdown. Their QB decided to slide instead of dive for some reason. Uh, and then the very next play, they fumbled it across the goal line. Cincinnati recovers, is able to survive. Um, which, you know, is good for them. They needed the win, period. Uh, but they definitely need to put up some style points uh, to get some more consideration in the college football playoff. Oh, yeah. Um, struggling. In all honesty, and, and granted, it doesn't look like it in, in the win column. Uh, but in all honesty, they lost that game. And right. And I'm sure that, uh, being it that it's Monday night, I don't know what the, the rankings look like. Um, but I, I'm sure that the board noticed that. Um and they're probably not going to be very friendly to him. And and don't get me wrong, like I'm rooting for Cincinnati. Um, you know, I rooted for UCF when everybody was pushing to get them in and whatnot. I, I love underdogs. Absolutely. Um, and you know, to see that they're even still undefeated and still making the board think about them, uh, I have very much respect for that. And I, and I hope that it works out in their favor. Um, if they drop one game, they're definitely out. Um. If they win out, I mean, it's hard to tell at this point because it's going to depend on how people do above them. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm on their side, and hopefully they can turn it around uh, and keep this season on track. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on, uh, Navy visited Notre Dame for their yearly rival game. Um, Notre Dame handled them pretty well, uh, which is always tough to do against the service academies just because they run that triple option offense to perfection, which is just yep. so hard to stop. Uh, but Notre Dame had it covered all day, um, only giving up two field goals, um, put up 17 points about the second and fourth quarter. Um, Kyron Williams, the running back for Notre Dame, is another one of those running backs who he gets a lot of hype in certain circles, but in the broad scheme of things, for some reason, not enough people are talking about him. And he is not only put up really good numbers, but he has just looked so good on film. Uh, last yes. week they played UNC at home. I remember they had the ball inside their own 10. He ran that ball off the edge, stiff-armed a man into the ground, and then just took off 90 yards for the touchdown. Uh, and I don't think enough people were talking about that. Um, but he is just another one of those running backs um, that has just looked absolutely good, ridiculously good this year. I agree. Um, and it's actually, it's a very heavy year for running backs. Um, in Notre Dame, I mean, Notre Dame's going to be what Notre Dame is. They're always going to be in conversation. They're always going to be good. Um, you know, they're not one of the most liked colleges in the nation, but that's probably due to their history of success. And 
you know, while this year I'm sure isn't exactly what they were hoping for and not turning out the way they want it, um, still another good year and they still have a couple weeks left to, to make a point and to build off of it. So absolutely. Uh, and, and, and for, for a team that's going through what most people would call a rebuilding year, to still be ranked 10th, your only loss is to Cincinnati. Um, you know, I, I feel like overall that's still a very good season to hang your hat yeah, on. But moving on, uh, Oklahoma State went to West Virginia. Um, not a high-scoring game, which is what you normally expect out of the Big Ten or Big Twelve, excuse me, sorry. Um, but still a, ba- uh, a pretty lopsided game, nonetheless. Oklahoma State rolled twenty-four to three. West Virginia scored three points on their first drive, uh, and they didn't score the rest of the game. Oof. And that's always tough. Um... And as far as Oklahoma State goes, I, I'm glad that, that they've been able to, to figure things out or, yeah, to figure things out, um, you know, win a game that they're supposed to win. Obviously, West Virginia, not one of the top talents in the league this year, but, um, you know, it, it people will underestimate how difficult it is to go to any um, or to play any of these teams Uh because unless you're talking about like the Georgias or the Bamas in the years that they just have absolutely overloaded talent, a lot of these, you know, the third ranked team could be just as talented as the 25 ranked team. Um, so, you know, you got games that you're supposed to win and games that you're not supposed to win. And what you do with that is yours. But um, Oklahoma State took care of business. Uh, and that's exactly what you need to do. Absolutely. Uh, and then staying in the Big 12, uh, TCU upsetting Baylor. Um, just a week after TCU's coach um, announces that he was stepping aside, uh, Gary Patterson, who has been at TCU forever, you know, really made that program into the national, the national powerhouse that it that it was there for a couple years. You know, they started to fall off here recently. Um, first game without him, and they come out and they upset number twelve ranked Baylor uh, at home. You know, which is great for that program to to see them kind of come together in that moment. And you know, upset their 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 crosstown rival basically. Yeah, and and you love to see it. Um, to be honest with you, things like that are why I watch sports. Um, you know, you you got like for instance, as a Washington fan, Coach Ron Rivera last season going through his cancer treatments, the team fought. We might not have been the best looking team out there, but we fought. We ended up winning the division. Mm-hmm. So you got a team like this. You know, they they get some adversity. Um, obviously in the middle of the season, you know, that's not what you want to happen to your team. Uh, but like you said, they stuck together, they came together, they fought hard and they won. And, uh, you know, everything outside of college football aside, that's a great win. And, you know, that's, that's something that, that not all teams, you know, that, that's a, that's a bonus and that's a learning opportunity. And that's a a chemistry opportunity that a lot of teams aren't going to get to go through. And those guys who are on that campus for the next two, three years, they're going to remember that and they're going to try to instill it on the people that come in. And that's the kind that's the right kind of mentality and attitude to have, you know, in a locker room and on a campus. Absolutely. Uh, moving on, then going over to the SEC, Auburn visited Texas A&M. Uh, it was a very, you know, close game, not high scoring at all. Um, it was six to three at the end of the third quarter. Fourth quarter is when Texas A&M started to put it on a little bit and pull away. Um, that's been Texas A&M's story all season, though. You know, except for the Alabama game, and I mean, even then, you know, they haven't looked at exceptional, especially on offense. Their defense has been, you know, you know, top tier all season, uh, but their offense has just struggled a lot at times to to really get it going. Um, 
you know, I remember they played Colorado at the beginning of the year, and they were down seven to nothing almost the entire game. And then fourth quarter, they score late, to, you know, go up. Um, so they have a big game this week at Ole Miss. Uh, we briefly mentioned it earlier, um, and that's really going to decide the SEC West right there. So they need their offense to show up for four quarters on Saturday if they want to keep their hopes alive of winning the, the SEC West. Yeah, definitely. And and obviously they, they have the, the, the talent to do it. Um, you know, they went out, they shocked the world against Bama. Um, and that's the, basically that's the kind of energy that they're going to need to bring. I mean, you're facing a team that you already know that Alabama walked all over. Um, probably one of the greatest lines I've ever heard in college football, get your popcorn ready. <laughs> the memes that were created off of that were great. Um, so I hope somebody has a, uh, I don't know if game day, game day should be there just so I can see a sign yeah, of popcorn on it. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say, I, I didn't look at that. I forgot to, but, um, but yeah, and this is a game that quite honestly, like uh, I'm, I'm not only rooting for Texas A&M, but I, I definitely think that they could do it. Um, now granted if Matt Corral plays, you know, the way a Heisman hopeful would play, it, it's going to be a tough game for him, but they're going to mm-hmm. have to rely on that defense, get that offense going and, and, just play four full quarters. Absolutely. Uh, moving on, just going to go over these next two games really quick. Uh, BYU uh, beat up on Idaho State 59-14. to uh, Wisconsin curb stomped Rutgers 52-3. to um, Neither one of those games really a surprise. Rutgers, you know, <laughs> at the beginning of the season, you probably could have said that's, that was a surprise. Um, yeah, they had a little hope at the beginning of the season. They did. And, and you know, they're definitely better than they were two or three years ago. Um, but they're just not at that level yet where they're ready to compete in the Big Ten um, yeah. for, for, you know, high caliber wins such as beating Wisconsin or Ohio State. Or, you know, they hung around Michigan for a while, um, but they're just not there as a program yet, you know, to expect to kind of upset those those teams. Yeah. Um, but moving on, staying in the Big Ten, Purdue upsetting Michigan State, who was ranked number three. Um, usually Purdue is good for one upset a year. This makes their second um, and they just controlled Michigan State from start to finish. Uh, Michigan State hung around. Uh, they, they made it close at points. I think they even had a, a, a small lead at one point. But Purdue was just resilient, and they looked absolutely amazing. They looked like you know, a, a ranked, high-ranked team. Um, O'Connell threw for 536 yards, which is just a staggering number to, to see, especially in the Big Ten. Um, yeah, you know, you expect that numbers like that yeah. out of a running back, but that doesn't happen in the Big Ten often, often unless it's an Ohio State QB against some scrub team. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, Michigan State season not over yet. Um, obviously, they only have one loss. They were ranked number three. I think they're obviously going to drop a little bit, but they're still going to be right there, um, especially with a win over ranked Michigan. Um, they play Ohio State in two weeks. Um, and that's that's going to be the big game of, you know, the, the Big Ten this year is Michigan State at Ohio State. Oh, yeah. Let, and, alone, let alone the Big Ten East, the Big Ten in general. Uh, exactly. Because, you know, you got Wisconsin, Minnesota, Purdue, Iowa over in the West that, you know, aren't really doing a whole lot. So, really, this game coming up is, is huge. Absolutely. Um, especially you got two teams with one loss each. Um you know, this could kind of like we said earlier with the Big Ten, this game could shake not only the Big Ten up, but possibly the entire landscape of college football with, you know, how this could go. Um, so it's I'm intrigued. I'm definitely intrigued. This is a big matchup that's going to have a lot of hype and a lot of implications. So 
Absolutely. Uh, and then Purdue, on the other hand, they have another tough game this week. They're going to Ohio State. Um, you know, as an Oregon fan, uh, I, I want Purdue to win. Uh, not to tarnish, you know, Oregon's win over Ohio State, but just to kind of give us a little bit more separation. Um, but, it, you know, they have had a very tough schedule this year, and they've done very well with it. Um, their their coach And they're always a top-tier program. You know, they don't always show it in the win-loss column. Um, but year in, year out, they're always one of the uh, uh, one of the better programs to watch uh, and, and follow. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, moving on here, Arkansas, speaking of upsets, Arkansas upsets Mississippi State 31-28. Um, Arkansas was one of the best teams in college football leading up into October. Uh, then they had that rough stretch, you know, starting with the Georgia game, and they kind of fell apart after that. Um, now they turn around here, they beat Mississippi State, so hopefully that can rebound their season, they can get back into their winning ways as their season continues. Yeah, and that's definitely, like, I, I was rooting for them for a while, um, because a lot of people had a lot of faith in them, thought they could upset some big teams, um, and, and I hope, I hope like you said, that they get back on track, because that that's a program that's kind of been in the mix, so to speak, in college football, not necessarily towards the top, but in the mix for a couple years, um, and it'd be nice to see them to see them uh, start to climb a little bit. Uh, obviously, not this season, but finish the season out strong, build on it, and and see what you can do next year. Absolutely, uh, it's nice to see them get back to bowl eligibility. I mean, it feels like that forever. Is. Like when you know Darren McFadden went there, they were huge for a couple years, um, and they fell off, and they they would fluctuate, you know, between the basement and the mid pack. Um, for years and years and then this year when they, they they exploded out of the basement they were ranked in the top 10 you know i was i was like you said i was very happy for them i was rooting for them uh and then obviously you know they just run through their, their buzzsaw schedule there through october and they struggled but um you know hopefully they're they're fully bounced back and they're ready to go and you know can finish out the season strong um sure. moving over to the acc then we had north carolina state visiting florida state um 2014 north carolina state not really uh, a close game per se um, despite what the scoreboard says um, you know Florida State put up 14 there in the third other than that North Carolina State handled them very well uh, Leary threw four touchdowns uh, one interception um, and they just controlled the game all day yeah and honestly that's there's North Carolina teams down there no matter which one you're talking about they're tough they're going to be tough outs it's no matter what they're ranked what they're whatever um there's just some boys down there, and it, it it was it was an intriguing game to watch for sure. Um, there were some things in there that I seen that that definitely had got me thinking, and uh, I'm interested to see where the rest of the season goes. Absolutely. Um, moving back to the SEC for two games here, uh, Alabama and LSU was a very close game. A lot of people expected that to be another blowout. Um, LSU hung around. Uh, Alabama's offense just could not get going. Uh, Bryce Young did not look great um, on Saturday night. They did just enough to win. Uh, they were up 20 to 14 late. LSU, I think, got three chances with the ball, and you know, Johnson just did not look comfortable in the pocket all night. Just couldn't get that ball moving there late in the fourth, and you know, they, they paid the price with the loss, um, which a lot of people are calling a moral victory. Uh, but at the end of the day, the, what, what matters is what's on the scoreboard. Yeah, for sure, and you can talk moral victories all day long, um, especially with an LSU team that's used to being at the top and has really struggled this year. When, um, not that they were they weren't expected to do what they did with Burrow and whatnot this year, but 
um, definitely have still fell under their expectations, whether lower than usual or not. Um, so, uh, honestly, if I'm LSU, you take that moral victory into the locker room, you take it in next week, I don't know, maybe use your anger and beat the crap out of somebody later <laughs> or the rest of the season, whatever it is you do. Um, uh, obviously, there's going to be some changes around there coming. So, it, uh, unfortunately, something like that, there's not much you can do or say about it. Absolutely. Uh, moving on to the second game in the SEC, I mentioned uh, Tennessee upsetting Kentucky. Um, Tennessee pulled away early. Kentucky brought it back, and then it turned into a back-and-forth game. Uh, Hendon Hooker, though, 15-20 to 20 for 316 yards and f- accounted for uh, four touchdowns. Um, just an outstanding night from him. Um, you know, this Tennessee team, it, you know, is right on the verge of becoming a really good SEC team. Um, they're they're kind of stuck in that middle to lower pack right now. Um, but you know they're they're just a couple scores in some games away from you know taking the next step, um, and and becoming one of the the you know the the top tier teams in the SEC, um, and you know competing with Alabama and Ole Miss and and stuff regularly, not just surprising teams every once in a while. Yeah, for sure, and 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 I felt that coming the past couple of years. Um, you know you'd see them making strides or whatever like every other team they got ups they got downs um quite honestly when you when you're looking at uh games like this um, obviously being the team that comes on out on top is great um but looking back at, at their schedule you know they're either blowing teams out or in close games and qu- quite honestly as a team like that's that's about as good as you can ask for mm-hmm. um you know, it, it's it's college football. You gotta you gotta win the games that you're in, and they're definitely I, they're definitely on the uprise. Um, they got a game coming up with Georgia. Uh, you know, see how that goes. Um, but they've definitely they've got some promise, and hopefully they can use that and bring it in and start to get their team up um, up into the that conversation, like you said. Absolutely. Uh, moving on then. Iowa at Northwestern, uh, you know, your typical Big Ten game, you know, not high-scoring, sloppy back and forth. Iowa actually benches their quarterback. Alex Padilla comes in, you know, takes over and leads the Hawkeyes to victory. Uh, a close 17-12 game against a gritty Northwestern team. You know, Northwestern's, you know, yeah. last year they were you know, surprisingly good. This year they're not really that good at all. Um, but they're always one of those teams where no matter – what their record is, no matter how many people they have hurt, whatever, they're always going to give you their best shot. It's never an easy yeah. walk-in, walk-out victory when you're playing Northwestern. No, some about them corn-fed country boys. Uh, you're going to walk in there, and you might beat them by 35, but you're going to know it for the entire next week. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, they're going to stay in games sometimes and, and just rough you up. And, you know, I mean, as far as Iowa goes, have your backup QB come in, ball out or ball out enough to get the win. Um, I don't know if you can consider it balling out. But um, like you said, it, those Big Ten games, they're always going to be like that. They're going to be low scoring, um, and it, it's always a matter of which offense is going to continue to move. Um, and they found a way to do it, and I know that's one thing that they've struggled with um, here the past couple weeks. So it's, it's nice to see them, um, you know, find something that worked – at least pull out the win um obviously while we're on the subject of them one of the greatest traditions in all of college football um i don't know if it was, that game was home or away but 
uh, I just wanted to bring that out there because that's one of my favorite things in like all of college football. I love when Penn State goes to Ohio State or Ohio State goes to Iowa to play because um, that's just like that that game um, or that team I should say uh, in general um, very you know I'm not quite even sure what word I want to use to describe it but mm-hmm. I, I just love seeing it um, and that's the kind of that's kind of people you're gonna get out there um, you know they're caring but you're caring but like I said just like Nebraska they're corn-fed country boys you know they, Seven. What did you say the score was? Uh, I didn't happen to catch it. It was seventeen twelve. Seventeen twelve. Yeah. It, like you said, exactly what you expect. They were probably just out there beating the crap out of each other the entire night. Exactly. Um. And but as far as Iowa, you know, you got something to build off of for the rest of the year. Kind of like we. It's been a common theme, honestly. You got teams not reaching what their potential or what everybody thought their potential was, and it's a lot of learn from your mistakes and and figure it out the in the next couple weeks of the season absolutely uh, moving on another upset on the night Boise State traveled to Fresno State and absolutely just clobbered them all night uh, 40 to 14 uh, Fresno State just did not look like the team that we've seen all season hanging around with Oregon uh, ha- uh, beat up on UCLA um, they just looked out of their element all night and Boise State um, like I said just just absolutely manhandled them all night um, didn't leave any shadow of a doubt that they were the better team Saturday. Yeah, and unfortunately, you're going to get that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have an unranked team. Uh, I've I've witnessed unranked teams just absolutely blow people's minds um, just like that. And unfortunately, when you're, when you're a ranked team and you got somebody coming in, you got to be prepared for that. You can't fall for trap games. You can't think you're bigger and better than somebody. You got to keep your head in that game. Um, you know, as a Penn State fan, I hear James Franklin say probably ten times a week, "We're one and zero this week," or "Let's go one and zero this week," mm-hmm. or whatever it is, one game at a time, whatever he says. Um, and and quite honestly, like people give him crap for it, but it's the best way to think about it. You know, you can't be worried about who you're going to play next week or who you're going to play in the bowl game or, you know, oh, this team hasn't won a game. It ain't about that. It's about you and that team lining up across from you. And unfortunately, you're going to be on the wrong side of it every once in a while. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Moving on then, Michigan uh, hosted Indiana this week. Indiana has just struggled all season, uh, a lot of injuries. Um, They're another team that just has not lived up to the hype at all. they were, you know, projected to be one of the best teams in the Big Ten. I thought they were going to be one of the best teams in the Big Ten, especially with Penix Jr. coming back. Um, so far, they're two and seven this season. Michigan, um, they don't put up a lot of style points against, you know, their easier opponents, but they definitely um, don't leave a shadow of the doubt that they're the best team on the field. Uh, they absolutely handled Indiana all day. Uh, walked out of there with a twenty-nine-seven win. Uh, they have a tough few games here coming up. Uh, they play Penn State this Saturday at Penn State. Um, you know, that's going to be a tough game for them. Now, they got lucky. It's going to be a noon game. It's not going to be a, a night game, you know, with, with the crowd rocking, you know, with the potential whiteout. Um, you know, Penn State is still going to be a tough environment for them, period. Uh, but I think the dodgeable with it not being a night game. Uh, then they have Maryland and then, of course, the Ohio State game. So that's another team, you know, they're right there on the edge of, you know, possible playoff contention with just one loss um but 
the the next three weeks will really decide if they're ready for it or if they're just you know same old Michigan just missing the edge of their expectations. Yeah, and and that's what I'm intrigued to see um, because everybody knows Michigan. Uh, they're kind of like the Dallas Cowboys of college football. They get overhyped in the preseason. They lose a game that they shouldn't have lost or, you know, maybe was close or whatever, and then they fall apart. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see how they, they come about because, like you said, they got Penn State coming up, um, and I can tell you as a Penn State fan, Penn State is not happy, um, and they are not going to have a good time coming uh, to Happy Valley. Um, and then they got another losable game in Ohio State. Now, the good thing is both those games are also w- also winnable games for them. So at, at this point, sitting at number nine, they have the games in front of them to make the college playoffs. Uh, they control their own destiny at this point. Yep, absolutely. Uh, moving on then, Oregon was at Washington this week. Um, Oregon did not look good early. Um, you know, Anthony Brown just struggled to get, get it going. Uh, you know, conditions weren't the greatest. You know, it was pouring down rain. Um, but Travis Dye, once again, has just been the steady consistent for this team all year, uh, especially with C.J. Burdell going down. Um, just give him the ball, and he will take care of anything, um, and you know so on. But luckily, uh, Oregon gets it together, especially there in the second half, and pulls away. Um, you know, Washington had a, a couple questionable calls there at the end. Um, they had the ball down uh, eight points. Um, you know, they get stopped on third down. And I think at any point, you know, you, you're you playing your rival. You're at home. I, I understand you're on your side of the field. It's a fourth and ten. It's not the ideal situation. Um, but you just got to you know, put it out there with a the hope and a prayer that you get that fourth down. They decide to punt it. The uh, snap goes over the punter's head out the back of the end zone. And just that's not the way you want to end that game at all. Um, so Oregon walks out of Washington with a much-needed win. Yeah, and, and I completely agree with you on that. Um, you're playing a rival. I don't care if it's 4th and 20, um, especially when your rival happens to be Oregon. Uh, you don't take that chance. And granted, a snap over the punter's head happens probably one out of every 20 or yeah, twenty times that you're in that situation. Mm-hmm. But regardless, you punt the ball back to a, a stout Oregon offense, especially with a stout running back that's just going to run the clock out, clock out on you. you got to take that chance. Um because regardless of whether you punt it away, I, I don't know what, what they were thinking, to be 100% honest with you. Their only chance at winning that game was to complete that 4th and 10. Um, you know, so whatever. I, I don't I don't coach, so I don't I can't have too much to say on it, but it just it doesn't make much sense to me. Um, but, yeah, Oregon looking good, doing what they need to do, winning games they need to win, um, and trying to stay in that top four. Yeah, uh, so moving forward, they have Washington State at home this week. Um, and then a tough game on the road at Utah, who is starting to surge at the right time. Um, so that'll be a very, very tough game on the road. And then, of course, the Civil War at home against Oregon State to close out the season. Uh, one last game to go over from this week. Uh, San Diego State flew out to Hawaii to play the Warriors on the road. Very close 17-10 game. Um which, you know, anytime you have to fly, I mean, granted, San Diego State's on the West Coast already, but anytime you have to travel out to Hawaii for a football game, um, it, it's always going to be tough on, on your body, on your, your players, uh, on your mental state, uh, and that's that's what makes Hawaii so difficult to play, uh, especially on the road. Um, they hung around there for a while, uh, especially late, 
but San Diego State's able to squeak it out and pull out the victory. Um, quarterback only had 99 yards passing, which is very surprising, especially for a Mountain West team. Uh, usually they're, they're the kind of teams that sling it around, um, but nonetheless able to hold it out for the victory. And with a bunch of ranked teams ahead of them and just behind them losing, they should move up a couple spots here in the rankings. Agreed, agreed. All right. Uh, next, we're going to go over what we think the top 10 is going to be uh, for the college football playoff rankings this week. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give what I think they should be, um, not necessarily what I think they're going to be, what I, what I think that the rankings should be. Um, so I have Georgia at one. Georgia's just looked dominant absolutely all season, uh, like we touched on. Um, you know, they haven't – I don't think they left anything on the field at all in any game. Uh, so they absolutely deserve to be the number one team. I actually have Cincinnati at number two. Um, they have a road game, a road win at Notre Dame. You know, they haven't lost yet. I think they absolutely deserve to be in the playoffs regardless. Um, you know, they might not be the number two team in the country, but I think – you know, the record and, you know, the fact they haven't lost um, deserves is deserving of being at least a top four team. But like I said, right now with just other people losing games, I have them at number two. Number three, I have Oklahoma. Again, they have not looked good all year. Um, you know, a lot of close games that barely beat Kansas, uh, Kansas State, and so on. Um, but nonetheless, they're undefeated, and they're starting to surge at the right time. Um, so I think they absolutely deserve to be number three. Number four, I have Alabama. Um, you know, a tough road loss at Texas A&M, but nonetheless, they have looked unstoppable, basically, except for the LSU game. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they can get their offense figured out, you know, this week and moving forward. Um, number five, first team out, I have Oregon. Um, one loss, you know, a, a really That's ugly road loss to Stanford. Um, but other than that, they've looked pretty good all year. Um, so I have them at five. Ohio State at six. Um, again, with no ranked wins now, um, I, I think that's about where they deserve to be. Uh, I have Michigan State at seven, Michigan at nine, or sorry, Michigan at eight, Notre Dame at nine, Texas A&M at ten. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. Obviously, like I said, that's what I think it should be. It's definitely not what it's going to be moving forward. Um, did, now for did what you I say, A&M for ten. Yeah, Texas A&M at ten. I was just keeping a note on on what you chose. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, and then what what I think the the, the playoff uh, committee is actually going to say uh, tomorrow night. Um, I have Georgia at one, Alabama two. I have Oregon moving up to three, Ohio State moving up to four, Cincinnati to five. I have Oklahoma jumping up to number six, uh, Michigan State dropping all the way down to number seven. I have Michigan at eight, Notre Dame at nine, and Oklahoma State staying at ten. I definitely Cincinnati's a big one to me, um, just because I I'm on the same side as everybody else. Um, but I do, like I said earlier, I'm rooting for them. Um, I honestly, I think with the way that they won, um, I agree with you as far as what you think the the board's gonna do. Um, it's definitely honestly minus Georgia. It it's a complete toss up with what the board's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, you know, we've had years where we were 99.9% sure the board was going to say one, two, three, four, and they'll throw in some random team for some reason. Um, there's a lot of good teams left in there. Uh, I definitely 
Georgia, obviously, clear number one. That's I, I, I couldn't imagine anybody could debate that. Um, after that, though, obviously, it starts to get a little tricky. Um, I think I'm with you. Honestly, minus the Cincy pick, I'm with you as far as your 10. Um, Michigan, the, the Michigan, Michigan State, um, I, I just off of how the board is with Big Ten teams that aren't Ohio State, I feel like they could drop a lot farther. I don't think they will, but there's always that possibility. It seems like when the playoff rankings come out, everything just goes out the window. Right. Um, but but no, I definitely you're definitely on to something. Um, and if you're right, we got a great top ten going into the end of the season. Absolutely. All right. Uh, well, that'll wrap up a very first episode of the Jack Wagon Sports Podcast. Uh, really appreciate you guys turning in. Um, we're gonna come out tomorrow, Tuesday, uh, just before the college basketball season tips off, with um, going over the top twenty-five rankings. Um, give you a surprise team. And then, you know, take a stab at what we think the Final Four is going to be, you know, a couple months out. So, um, hopefully you like this. You know, leave us some feedback, what you guys thought. Um, and tune in tomorrow and let us know. And thank you. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Yes, sir. Thank you.